All right, welcome back from the three-day weekend, everybody. How's everybody doing? Good. How about you? Awesome. Good to see you. Good to see you. Good to see you. What in the world is new and exciting? I've got one. Um, Disney Plus started today, the new app, the streaming service. Has anybody checked it out yet? My mom was so excited. She texted me at like 7.20 this morning. She said, Disney Plus is so awesome. I was like, okay, let me check it out. So I did. I hadn't had time to mess with it really, but I looked at it. There's a lot of good content up there, and I think they're a real uh, competitor to Netflix. Uh, they've got all the classic movies, all the Marvel, all the Star Wars, and so yeah, they're they're expecting to have 101 million subscribers by like 2025. I think is their forecast, and so yeah, I think they're a major competitor to Netflix. We'll see what happens, and they're a lot cheaper. What's up? It is a big prediction, but it's Disney, and they own so much, so we'll see. Yeah, I think I think it's going to advertise itself. I mean, yeah, a lot of people, just like I'm talking about right now, you're going to go home, and some of you are going to tell your family and friends about it, just because we talked about it in class today. And I mean, it's like six dollars a month, so I mean, to be able to have access to all the Star Wars content and Marvel content and classic movies, like they've got all the old stuff, like Snow White. Pinocchio, all that stuff, you know. My kids have never seen a lot of those old movies, so they'll be checking that stuff out. I think it's a good value, so we'll see what happens. So what else happened over the three-day weekend? Anything? My sister had a baby. Oh, so boy or girl? Uh, boy. Baby boy. So did you go see it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great. Go see the baby. <laughs> go see him, the baby. I'm sorry. He wasn't due to the 20th, so it was kind of a surprise. Yeah, okay. So what's his name? Christopher. Oh, that's my first name. Okay. <laughs> awesome. So, do you know big boy, little boy? Oh, he's good. Yeah. Like eight pounds? Oh, he was only seven pounds. Yeah. That's him coming early. So. That's, hey. <laughs> well, that's great. So, everybody's doing well. That's mm-hmm. excellent. That's good. So, is this your first, like, niece or nephew? Or? He's number 10. Number 10. Oh, okay. So. Yeah, apologies for the it, him, okay. him. So I got my pronouns right. So, um, so what else is new and exciting? We've got a new baby. We got Disney well, Plus. What's up? This weekend has been very hectic. Okay. Okay. Because I had two flat tires this weekend. I had one myself. And I had to buy a whole new tire, but then I have one tire that like I ran over a screw or something. I took it yeah. out and I used to patch the, the thing. Once yeah. I did that, it's still going flat, so it's just like every morning I gotta wake up and put air in it. Uh, I don't know. It's just like it's been. It's yeah. But I ended up getting a new job, so. Oh, where are you working? <laughs> JC Penny. Okay, good for you. That's awesome. At I. I had a flat tire Saturday night. Oh, I've had three flat tires this year. Three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, brutal. And so, yeah, I'm owed like some non flat tire moments, you know, in time. Um, but I also left my spare at my house, so my father-in-law had to bring it to me. That's always good, you know, when your father-in-law has to come bring you something like that. It's like, luckily he's very cool and didn't just, like, give me a hard time. It's like, oh, you know you always got to carry your spare with you. Um, he didn't do that. I mean, I felt terrible, so. <sighs> so, but luckily he's a good guy, so he didn't. He even brought, like, the nice jack one of those big jacks that you use like in professional car car garages like mine i have that little rinky dink jack that you have to like screw you know what i'm talking about oh has anybody had to change a tire before in the room oh 
brutal. So, uh, the last, yeah, the first one I changed was the summer in July, like 100 degree weather on the side of the road. Cars are flying by. I've got all three kids in the car. Just yeah, it's brutal. It's brutal. Yeah. So what else is doing exciting? So I thought somebody said something. The same day my sister had her baby, my twin's daughter tried to do some kind of TikTok challenge and busted her lip. Oh, no. So my sister was in Raleigh having her baby, and my twin was here. Did year. she have to go to the doctor and get stitches? Oh, no stitches man. Though. Wow. So your twin's daughter is a TikToker? She's trying to do some kind of TikTok yeah, challenge. Yeah, right. So you got how how close is the twin and like and like look to you? I mean, um, we look like sisters. Okay, but, but not. When I'm with her children, they think they're mine. Oh, okay. So your twin could come in here and mess with me? No. No, I couldn't tell. I would be able to tell the difference between you and your. Okay, mm-hmm. I was gonna say uh, there are some twins that are hard to tell, but others, you know, not so much. Um, my daughter's also a TikTok fan, and then she does some stuff, but she likes to just dance from from place to place. <laughs> So she'll, she'll, like, faster, come here, she'll come here, but she'll spin, like, all the way there and dance until you get there. She just does that kind of stuff. And so last night she was dancing in the living room, and we have a, we have a linoleum floor, but it's got a rug on it, but we pulled the rug up to, to uh, mop. And so she's in there dancing because she can just spin with her socks on, and sure enough, she slipped and fell, and boom, and she comes in there crying to me, so, but she's okay. So she did lose a tooth. Uh, yesterday too, so that was a big, big event. So not because of that; it was already ready to go. So, uh, anything else new and exciting? A lot of good stuff. We are so close to the end. This is chapter 13. Wow, we've only got four more chapters, and this is the end of the end of the road. I mean, this this chapter will be over for you know in three more. All right, well we'll jump in and start talking about it a little bit. So human resource management. You've probably heard about HR before. Might have had to go to HR a couple times. Did you have to visit HR, IKEA, with your new job? Um, Kinda, maybe. Who, who, how was the hiring process? The hiring process, well, it was the interview, and then I had to walk in and tell him I had, I had an interview, and I had to wait for the lady. Okay. And um, pretty much, we just heard. It was a manager? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So did you have to go to HR and do paperwork or anything? Or? Yeah. Okay. Um. HR, there's a lot of facets to it. So as you can see here, you got recruiting and hiring, employment legislation, training and development, terminations, HR challenges. There's a lot of aspects to it. And in my other business class, we talked about um, the, well, the 137 that I'm teaching this semester also, we talked about how HR has become really a strategic partner with management in order to make decisions to benefit the company and to try to uh, plan for hiring needs as the company evolves over time so uh, HR has really become uh, a central part of many organizations Um, some organizations smaller don't need a dedicated HR department but large organizations like Wayne Community and even larger uh, we have about 325 30 full-time employees and so with that amount of employees we've got a dedicated HR department that's got a staff of probably if I had to guess, five or six people that are full-time dedicated to serving the HR needs of this community. And so that's there's a lot that goes into it. Um, and one thing that's just interesting for me is most HR people I've ever met are all have the same personality type. They're very reserved. 
they're very um, uh, direct, and they don't like to deviate from, I guess, uh, I don't want to say this, they're very reserved in how they speak. I guess that's what way to put it. But I guess politically correct. They don't want to say things that are in, in any way out of bounds. So just very uh, reserved folks. And so what do all businesses have in common regardless of product or service? They all have employees in common. HRM, or Human Resource Management, navigates the process of planning for, recruiting, hiring, training, managing, and possibly firing employees. And we'll talk about that. Most companies focus on lowering employee turnover and on retaining the talent and knowledge held by their workforce. In short, HR involves maximizing employee productivity. The core functions can be summarized as follows, and I'll go over that in a second, those core functions, but I'd like to speak just for a moment on the turnover thing you mentioned in the middle. It says most companies focus on lowering employee turnover. So turnover is a percentage of the employees that leave throughout the year. And so, hey, Lewis, come on in, man. If you've got 100 employees and 25 leave throughout that rolling calendar month or rolling 12 months uh, or calendar year, however they want to evaluate that turnover, uh, if 25 of them leave, you've got a 25% turnover. And so what that translates to is real dollars. So if you've got to, uh, let's say those 25 individuals, let's say it costs uh, somewhere between one and $2,000 to hire an individual. Let's say 2,000, easy money. Well, or easy, easy numbers. So $2,000 to hire and train somebody, that means that you, you're spending $50,000 a year just to hire and train new employees, $50,000. And so, like, there's, that's a good reason why turnover wants, wants they want it to be low. It's a lot easier to retain and train and uh, keep those people in place than to go out and have to find new employees, vet those new employees through a rigorous hiring process. Do you think about all the time it goes through for the application process, calling uh, references, uh, doing background checks? Uh, vetting resumes, going, somebody's got to sit down and read through all these resumes to see what the qualifications and credentials are. There's many hours involved just before they do a candidate selection for interviews. And then when they pull in for an interview, let's say that you've got, you bring in your top five candidates uh, and you give them an hour apiece, that's five hours. Well, if you've got four people on a panel, that's 20 hours of time that you're devoting to just the interview stage. And so you've already got so many hours tied up in just the initial hiring, you finally get it down to a top two candidates, you do a second interview, get them in one more time, talk to them, vet them, make a hiring decision, well now you gotta train them. And so you, you put them into a training program, whether it be one, two, three, four week program, whatever it may be, well now you're paying somebody that's not being productive. You're paying them with the future expectation of productivity because right now you're training that individual. Um, when I was at Walmart, we'd bring in cashiers as an example, for the holidays, <clears throat> they'd have to go through a very rigorous, quick training program in order to go through and learn all the safety and compliance stuff they had to know. They had to learn uh, about the, the laws that applied to them and learn about uh, how to do their job. And all that is unpro unproductive time from a productivity standpoint. It's productive in that they learn, but they're not adding value to the organization yet. And so turnover is something that I learned was a bad thing. However, the reason I talk talking about this at this at this time is that I have a theory that some organizations look at turnover and they, they encourage it for the simple fact is it's cheaper 
to hire new people than it is to retain higher paid employees. Think about that for a second. If you've got employees that are beginning to get into their five and 10 year mark or longer, you've got raises that have incurred over those five or 10 years. And so imagine that they give out a 3% raise every year. So after 10 years, that employee's making 30% more, right? So you can have that person leave, bring in somebody for 30% less, right? And even though you're gonna pay that initial two grand to hire that person, you're still probably coming out better doing that. And I know that, like I said, it's just a theory of mine because I see organizations that have higher turnover and they don't seem to care about it. And I'm thinking, why is that? Because I learned turnover is bad, but I think it could be because they they won't stop people to stay. Um, My extended theory of that is that if you look at K-12 education, now this applies to public and private sector, K-12 education, teachers start out at kind of a low salary. Over time they make a little bit more, but Teacher salaries has been one of those things that's been a hot button issue for a long time now, many years. And my theory is that the public system doesn't want to encourage long-term teachers. They don't. I mean, if they did, they would compensate them differently. So what happens is teachers hit that three to five year mark and they realize, hey, this is a lot of work. I'm not being paid fairly, so I'm going to go to the private sector and make ten or $15,000 more right out of the gate. And they will and they can. And so... Uh, you have what, which, what I see in public education right now all over the counties that I observe is that uh, there's a lot of new teachers and that long-term tenure teachers, it's a shrinking slope. Whereas the longer term time you go, the less tenured uh, those teachers are, the less amount of tenured teachers you have. And so uh, my theory on that is, is that uh, they're encouraging turnover so they don't have to pay higher salaries and they don't have to pay pensions for people to stick around. So uh, I can see it uh, working however the organization wants it to work. So when it comes to talking about staffing, these are those uh, core functions of HR. Staffing includes the activities of hiring new new full-time employees or part-time employees, hiring contractors, and terminating employee contracts. Staffing activities include fulfilling talent needs, Recruiting technologies, thinking about using uh, any type of internet uh, technology to do recruiting. Uh, protection from lawsuits, employee contracts, and then benefit and salary negotiations. Um, a lot of big companies have standard salaries where they have created job tiers, and there is a wage track that they put attached to that tier. And so, like, if you're hired as a Tier 1 employee, the maximum salary is X. And it doesn't matter what your negotiation preferences are, that's the maximum they're going to pay for that tier. And it gives you a little bit of a range that they can work within, but still keeps them kind of locked into a, a, a tier. Um, after staffing, we get to training and professional development. Onboarding new employees, training and preparing new employees, training opportunities to stay up to date, and then feedback to employees and management. Training is so crucial to organizations, and <clears throat> you have to stay on top of that because the world is constantly changing. Um, I heard a doctor, I was watching a documentary uh, over this weekend. I did watch a couple films, and uh, the doctor was talking about, he's a medical doctor, he was saying that in medical school, they said five years from now, the probably half the stuff we teach in medical school will be wrong. Half the stuff we teach in medical school will be wrong, completely reverse of what we said before. You think about some of the nutrition information that's come out in our lifetime. You know, 
sugar's not bad for you, fat is. And then it's fat's not bad for you, sugar is, right? Those kind of contradictory things and, uh, you know, don't eat red meat, eat white meat, or don't eat, no. you know what I'm saying? There's all kinds of contradictory stuff when it comes to health and information. The same thing is true in many uh, markets. You know, the information and the way we do business today is going to be completely different in five years. Um, I've been going from Walmart for 10 years, and the way they do business, very different. Right now, their big push is online. They want to have people order groceries and pick them up at the store. Has anybody done that, by the way, anywhere? Where you've ordered a bag of groceries, and then when they, they take it out to you, or they go through a drive through They've got one at Walmart in Mount Olive. I just have never tried it or you know i think i would like to try it just to say okay i want a jar of peanut butter some you know fruits uh, like some bananas or whatever and see see what they do i don't know i think i would like to try it but they basically when they you put in an order they send a runner to collect all your goodies and then bag them for you and have them everything's ready to go so i think you can pay online and everything you just drop it to the window and they, they give it to you so yeah i'd like to try it i heard though um somebody i did talk to an associate they said when you do an online order for a grocery store and you order any type of produce, they're going to give you the very best produce they got. That's because they want it to be, they don't want it to be like any type of uh, PR nightmare where they give bad produce. So they want you to have a really good impression of uh, whatever that you're getting from them. So, um, so training and development, crucial because the way we do business today in any sector is going to be different tomorrow. Compensation includes identifying appropriate compensation based on role, performance, and legal requirements. Compensation activities includes setting compensation levels to be competitive and appropriate within a market. Yeah, because, so I'm a state employee for a community college in North Carolina, um, but if I went to New York and was a state employee for a community college in New York State, it would be a different compensation level, even though um, we're still working with U.S. dollars, there's going to be a, a differentiation because of the cost of the market to live there. And they, they look at that. When I worked at Walmart, <coughs> I had an opportunity to go work in Hawaii as an assistant manager over a store on the island of Kauai. And I didn't take it, um, mainly because we were close to family and didn't, we were going to have a baby within a short amount of time and didn't want to be, it was a two-year commitment. So long story short, didn't take it, but they were going to give me about a 100% raise to go do that. And so double the money, but you got to think the cost of living is also double. And so it really wouldn't have been a raise that I would have uh, felt so much. So um, so the compensation level, negotiating group health insurance rates, retirement plans, and other benefits with third-party providers, discussing raises and other compensation increases and decreases, and ensuring compliance with employee compensation. And so um, just this is the compensation piece. There are several facets of that. Health and safety or safety and health. HR managers are also responsible for understanding and implementing the best safety and health practices in their industry and addressing any relevant employee concerns. Safety and health activities include the following. Ensuring compliance with legal requirements based on job functions for safety measures. Main requirements are specified by OSHA. Implementing new safety measures when laws change. Discussing safety and compliance with relevant government departments. And discussing safety and compliance with unions. <clears throat> so Wayne Community has a safety committee. Uh, I happen to be on the committee and share it. And 
when you've got a large number of people in organizations, safety needs to be something that you're very concerned with. Obviously, because of the human interest, you don't want people getting hurt, right? That's just not good. You don't want people to get injured. Um, we had somebody on campus actually break their leg with this semester. It was an accident. Um, they were transporting stuff and they stepped wrong, broke, broke a bone in their leg. Um, not good and causes uh, just pain and suffering. We don't want any of that. And not only does it cause pain and suffering and one of our colleagues and friends gets injured or customers, but also it has some legal ramifications. You know, if a customer gets injured uh, or an employee, if a customer or employee gets injured, there could be some legal consequences to that, you know. And so we want to do what's right for the person. We want to do what's right for the organization. You're protecting the person and the organization if you're thinking about health and safety. Um, and I've heard about some horrible industrial accidents over the years. Uh, there was somebody at Smithfield uh, Produce or Packing in my hometown of Clinton that was they got jammed up in a wrapping machine basically, and they got they got kind of crushed a little bit from a industrial wrapping machine that wraps big chunks of meat stuff. And uh, those types of things are really horrible accidents. I worked with a guy uh, who was on overnights with me at Walmart. He worked for a uh, manufacturing company and the boiler spilled over on him and boiling hot water just hit him from like the neckline down all down his back. And he showed me his back and it looked horrible. He had third degree burns all over his body on his back. And so that's why health and safety is so important. We don't have a lot of that kind of stuff right here, but we do have some heavy equipment and different parts of campus has, has equipment that is very dangerous. If you go over to the automotive building next door, there's some ways that you can get very injured very quickly. So health and safety must be a primary concern. Uh, employee and labor relations, defending employee rights, coordinating with unions and mediating disagreements between the organization and its human resources are also core HR functions. Employee and labor relations activities include mediating disagreements between employee and employer, mediating disagreements between employees, investigating claims of harassment and other workplace abuses, acting as voice of the organization and employees. So some of these are more applicable than others in our environments. Uh, we don't have a large union presence in this part of the world. Um, unions used to be a big deal um, and I was taught that unions are bad. That was the indoctrination that I had at Walmart was, we don't even want you to talk about unions, think about unions. Union is an ugly word. That's like blasphemy, don't even say it. Um, they're very serious about being anti-union at Walmart. They will uh, send a anti-union team to your store if there's whispers of union activity to crush it. And they will fire people. They will close stores if they have to, to prevent unionization. They don't, they don't want anything to do with that. Because Walmart's got 2.2 million people that work for them. They're the largest private employer in the world. And if they unionized, it would pull money resources out of the company, uh, and they don't want that. So I can understand that. I see, so, I see both sides of it. You know, um, I think there's cases where unions could be helpful. I think there's cases where unions could be harmful. Um, I've seen where unions have also been abused their position and authority for their own benefit. So I've seen, I've seen both sides. I've never had any direct experience working with the union. Uh, more applicable on this slide with employee and labor relations is being a mediator between employees and investigating claims of harassment. That's a more applicable uh, thing that HR does is trying to, if there's a disagreement between two employees, trying to be that third party to talk it out. <clears throat> and if there's a claim of harassment or abuse, 
they're there front and center taking care of that. Um, I've mentioned this before, I'll mention it again. One way to avoid harassment and abuse is to not put yourself in a compromising situation to begin with. Don't put yourself in a situation where you're working alone uh, with somebody like, if you're, if you're in an office, you know, try to have open doors. Uh, don't, don't put yourself in a private situation with somebody that they could say that you said something, you know, like um, when I was at Walmart, and I've said that a lot today, <coughs> they, yeah, yeah, if you were taking exact notes, you probably have that written 10 times now, but um, they would have us, if we had to speak to an associate about an issue, they'd want another manager in the room just so we could have a witness as to what was said. And so you don't want to put yourself in a compromising situation where somebody could say that you said something uh, or did something. You know, you always want to be visible and not have things that are private because it could could come back to haunt you. All right. Any questions on any of that so far? So that was basically just the overview of the what HR does generally. And so we're going to talk about some employment legislation uh, in this next piece. So what happens when business makes decisions that violate laws and regulations designed to protect working Americans? In some cases, it costs businesses a great deal of money. In other cases, the monetary damage that may, uh, may be minimal, but the reputation of the business as a great place to work becomes tarnished. And HR professionals have a difficult time recruiting and retaining quality employees. So guess what's one of the best recruiting commercials I've seen recently? Amazon. Has anybody seen that Amazon commercial where people walking up around the warehouse talking about how, how great it is to work here and I didn't have benefits before I got here and now this is great? You seen this? Yeah. Um, for those of you who haven't, I'll show it to you real quick. Um, and I saw it and it, it stood out to me. <clears throat> I mean, why do you think it stood out to me, that, that, that commercial? <coughs> but, what? Sorry. Go, go. Um, you're exactly right. Uh, everything I've heard about Amazon and hiring has been bad. Like uh, they, they. In fact, there's a, there's a. Uh, let's see, job commercials. Yeah, there's a book that came out, and I forget the title of the book. I, I got the book from the library and read part of it, and I turned it back in. I didn't finish it because I had already read several things about it online, but. In brief, the author of the book, she went around to different warehouses and talked to these people that she called kind of modern-day nomads. And what they do is they, they live in RVs and they work in warehouses like Amazon's warehouse. And they just talked about the conditions of working in these large warehouses. And these were older individuals, a lot of them. They were retirees that found themselves in a situation where Social Security wasn't good enough, you know. And so they're having to do these jobs, and it's just uh, really not good working conditions. But let me see. Um, that's not what I want. Uh, Amazon hiring commercial warehouse. Let's see. Hopefully it'll pop up. Um, I don't know. That doesn't look like the one I saw, but it's all good. We'll watch it and see what it looks like. So. We'll get started in just a few minutes, head out the door there. The very first Amazon Fulfillment Center opened up in Washington in the 1990s. Figuring out within seconds the next step we have to do on our part. I actually learned about the tour from my wife. Ended up coming down here and just 
getting to experience what Amazon is actually like. My first impression of this place was just that it was massive and huge. It's just amazing. We employ over 2,500 full-time employees. I thought this is the place that I could enjoy working. After the tour, I went straight home, applied for a direct hire position, and now I work here. I'm Craig McCormick, and I'm an area manager for Amazon. I've worked here for just under four years. The working conditions for Amazon are very good. The benefits are great. The pay is competitive. We focus on safety. Hard work can be a lot of fun. I enjoy thinking outside the box and figuring out problems. And that's all based on what the customer needs. That ability to learn new things, new processes, new technology, there's always the opportunity to move up. I do see a future for myself at Amazon. Here we go. If I ever come across somebody that says, hey, that'd be interesting to do an Amazon tour, I encourage them to go look at it. Okay. So that's a little different commercial than the one I saw, but it's right on point with the same messaging. They're trying to change the perception that they're not a good place to work because Amazon needs laborers. They need people to work too. So um, now I can tell you, uh, I won't say the W word again, but that place that starts with a W that I used to work, uh, they had the same type imaging problems where the perception of the company was once you were like if you were a new employee, they talked about respect for the individual, how much we care for our associates. We love, we're a Walmart family. I said it. Oops. That needs to be like the, the X word. We're family, right? Once you get in there, there is some of the family element that you have, but there's a lot of negativity, and they don't talk about that kind of stuff. So, so employment legislation, back to this, and about recruiting, the, the anti-discrimination legislation, you've all probably seen this or heard about it, because it's on everything that we do with regard to employment. Civil Rights Act uh, is the heart of the U.S. anti-discrimination legislation, and it includes things uh, like race, color, religion, sex, national origin, created from the Civil Rights Act, Affirmative Action, and the Equal uh, Employment Opportunity Commission, and so, or the EEOC. And you probably have seen this statement. It's very common. It says, we do not discriminate uh, anyone, against anyone on the basis of sex, race, religion, sexual orientation, national or, national origin, ethnicity, and or any other legally protected status. It'll say something like that. Have you guys seen that statement? Um, and they put it pretty prominently on hiring uh, documents, or they put it on hiring posters and stuff that you see. Um, there, and you'll, you'll see we are an equal opportunity employer. That's That's kind of a common thing that you see. Today, the regulation authority of the EEOC includes enforcing a range of federal statutes prohibiting employment discrimination, including the following, Age Discrimination in Employment, <clears throat> Equal Pay Act, Americans with Disabilities Act, Uniform Services, Employment and Reemployment Rights Act. There is a number of laws that are applicable <clears throat> to protect employers and employ or to protect employees and employers, but uh, generally, these laws are designed to uh, protect against these legally protected status or protect uh, you so that you have a right to work and not be discriminated against. That's the whole uh, reason for the, their existence. So labor and safety regulations. There are many other laws designed to regulate the employer-employee relationship. Several described below, like the National Labor Relations Act, the Fair Labor Standards Act, the Occupational Safety and Health Act, uh, Immigration Reform and Control Act and the Family Medical Leave Act. I've had some experience with some of these. 
the FMLA or the Family and Medical Leave Act, that's one that will allow you to be uh, absent without pay, but with the ability to retain your job for, I believe, 16 weeks. If you are 12, 12, that's 12, 12 is correct, that's right. 12 weeks, if you uh, have generally like, a lot of people use it for childbirth or adoption, you can use it for adoption too, but uh, in, some, in other cases, if you have a major medical or a family member has a me medical issue, um, and so family related, medical related, and you really have to determine that with your HR as to using the FMLA. Um, I've had colleagues in the past that have had illness in the family and they've had to be gone for uh, even beyond the 12 week limit. And when it goes beyond the 12 weeks, it's really up to the employer as to what they do. 12 weeks, they're legally required to retain that job. After 12 weeks, uh, they kind of have a discretion as to if they're gonna retain it or terminate you and, and make you reapply or whatever it may be. So um, the other one is OSHA, the Occupational Safety and Health Act. OSHA is a regulation, or they have regulations that are designed to keep people safe um, within organizations. And so, like, some common themes of OSHA is like no blocked entrances or blocked doorways. You have to have open walkways so if there's a fire, people can get out. That, that kind of thing was a big one, uh, in my experience. Um, also, make sure, like, you're keeping floors clean, there's no debris or wetness on floors that could cause a slip and fall. The number one injury in a lot of places, including Wayne, are slip, trip, and falls, STLs, or STFs. Slip, trip, and falls are where people will catch their foot on something or slip down, fall down. Uh, one of the reasons why we close campus during uh, winter weather is because of ice accumulation that could be happening on campus. Um, because I remember when I was at East Carolina, this was 1998-1999, I would watch people falling on campus all over around me, it was just people falling down steps, falling on sidewalks, and it hurts, it's not good. I've fallen down before on ice, and so um, keeping your eye on that kind of stuff as from a safety perspective, remember, going back to that safety discussion, we want people to be safe in our environment uh, at work or within our organizations. And so, the next thing in the HR, and this will probably be it for today to talk to kind of get this conversation going, is to talk about recruitment and hiring. And so diversity is a big part of this conversation. Uh, it's been that way for a while now. Diversity, what does that mean? What does it mean to have diversity? You've probably heard that, but what does it mean? Right. We've um, talked about diversity in here a little bit. We talked about it at length in my other class, but Diversity, there's a couple different types. You think about diversity, the surface level, which is uh, the way we look and perceive to each other, you know, male, female, or whatever gender you identify as, uh, the whatever race or ethnicity you identify as, whatever, th things that people can see and can kind of compartmentalize, you know, that they can uh, visibly kind of take in, and they start to compartmentalize you based on those observations. And, but that's just the surface. There's a deeper level diversity. Attitudes and beliefs, you know, is this person a nice person? Are they a jerk? What type of morals do they have? What type of ethics do they live by? Um, are they gonna be a hard worker? Those are attitudes and beliefs. Are they gonna be a, a, a laggard? They're not gonna participate very much. Are they gonna um, be on time and prompt? Are they gonna be late all the time? So those are deeper levels of diversity 
that we don't often see in the beginning of the hiring process, but hopefully, you know, through talking to people as far as reference checks and things like this, we can get a sense of some of those attitudes and beliefs. There are some restrictions, though. We can't ask any question, you know, like, um, we can't ask questions that fall into the legally protected status realm. And so, like, if you're on a hiring committee, um, it's best to just stick to the questions that the HR has signed off on and not ask anything outside of that because you could cross over into a realm of legally protected status. So, so diversity in HR, what is diversity? We talked about this a little bit. It's much broader than ethnicity, race, and gender. Diversity can apply to anyone you perceive to be different from yourself. And so um, dimensions of diversity are age, young, old, ethnicity, ancestry, gender, physical abilities, qualities, race, sexual orientation, bless you, educational background, geographic location, income, marital status, military experience, religious beliefs, parental status, and work experience. And that's just part of the list. There's so many other things that make up diversity and make it um, valuable. Um, I love I love diversity. I love learning things that other people have done or experienced. And everybody has that so cool thing to me, which is like something that you've done or experienced or are or that you know how to do that is just so cool that you could do that. Uh, and I like to embrace that and learn from those individuals. Um, I love when they talk about physical abilities. It made me think about um, my neighbor down the hall, Miss Wilhide. Her husband is a former uh, Air Force. And when I talk to Randy, her husband, I don't, I don't interact with him much, but he's just so, like, fit, you know, like, big he-man guy. And I'm not a physical fit person. I'm just not a physical fitness guy. And so even though we're both white males, that we're both 40, we're very different in our diversity. You know, like, he is very physical. He goes hunting and fishing. I, like, am very geeky. I like video games and movies and books and stuff, you know. So even though, like, we're both white males that we're both 40, there's a lot of diversity between us, even you know. So this gets to that deeper level dimensions of diversity. So um, benefits of diversity. Let's talk about that. So how businesses benefit from diversity? Innovation. Diverse teams lead to more innovative and effective ideas and implementations. Location in global markets better equipped to serve the marketplace. Acceptability. Organizations must be technologically and culturally adaptable in a modern economy. So I 100% believe diversity leads to more and better ideas. Like my wife right now is watching Mad Men on Netflix. Has anybody ever watched the series? No? Okay. I haven't watched it either, but she's told me some of the things that are happening. But what strikes me is that in this particular setting, uh, I guess it's in the 50s, this ad agency that is the central organization it's run by all white men and these all white men are trying to market all these different products to various people you know and so one of the products where they were marketing was a bikini like i said i haven't seen the episode but i've sitting in bed reading and hear her listen to her watch it you know and i'm thinking how does a white man know how to market a bikini to a, a woman you know how does how do you really wrap your head around that and so but if you had diversity you would know, you know, like a better way to approach that, you know, from the female perspective. Um, and so diversity is such a valuable thing and it gives us insights 
into individuals and communities in a way that we can't get there by ourselves. We just can't because we all have unique backgrounds and experiences and we uh, all have bring that to the table in a diverse way uh, that, that gives that strength to diversity. Let's talk about some challenges of diversity there real quick because uh, there are two sides to the coin. There are various challenges to achieving diversity in the workplace ranging from the difficulties of defining the term to the individual, interpersonal, and organizational challenges involved in implementing diverse practices. Some of those common challenges include building a diverse workforce are the following. Stereotypes, biases individuals have about others. Culture, managers must understand cultural norms and communication, language or cultural signals. Another challenge this is that I've observed locally is um, the job uh, applicant pool. Like in some, in some areas, you'll find like, I'll give you an example, um, Butterball is a big organization about 10 or 15 miles from my house. And I'm sure they're like in full like turkey turkey getting mode right now for Thanksgiving, right? But uh, I went to visit Butterball one time, and I went there, and they had on their announcement board. Their announcements were written in like eight different languages. They had French, they had uh, English, they had Spanish, they had uh, a couple different Asian languages. And I was thinking, I was thinking, what is this? this is, they had like Korean, they had Mandarin. And I was thinking, that's really wow. Why, why do they have all these different languages? And their app, their, their, I guess the local resources were not enough to meet the demands of their their job requirements or their job applicant pool. So they had to bring in individuals from other places in order to meet the needs of their labor force. So you're thinking, well, Eastern North Carolina is where the turkeys are. So we got our raw materials we need to produce our turkeys. But we don't have the people to process them, so we've got to bring the people to the turkeys. And it would be easier to do that than to bring the turkeys to the people. And so that's, that's what they did. They brought the people to the turkeys to make that happen. And so there are some challenges to diversity, and there are some ch challenges to HR logistics, but that's what HR does. That's how they figure that stuff out. All right, and I'm going to pause here for today on recruitment. This is a good stopping place. But we'll pick it up on Thursday and talk about recruitment. Um, appreciate your attention. Before we leave, let me grab attendance real quick.